0: You're listening to Living a Vintage Life by Retro Chalet. Thanks for joining. Here's your host, Cindy Fanastock Schaefer. Hey guys, and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to my vintage podcast. I'm happy to report since we're in a new year, we are officially in Season 2. You know, I threw this podcast up last year on a whim uh, in the summertime because, of course, my heart is always with vintage items um, and... I ended up with 11 episodes in over probably a six-month span. So if you haven't tuned in to all the past podcasts, I'm going to give you a quick rundown and some highlights of 2021. 2021. First episode, I talked about Melmac and old jewelry boxes, what to do with them, and antique knobs. I've got some great ideas for antique knobs for decor in your home. So be sure to look for my first ever episode and listen in. Number two episode, we talked about stamps with my sidekick, heavy lifting, and friend with thrifting, Ed. Ed told me all about Stamp collecting, where to start, how to do it, and basically we determine this is a great thing for kids or grandkids, a cheap and economic hobby to keep them busy for hours, and learn important bits of history, either here in the States or worldwide. Take your pick. Stamps are all over. So that was a very interesting, and probably one of my favorite episodes was episode two. Uh, We also talked about what to do with floral platters. Um, Episode three, I talked a little bit about Texas Wear Melmac, and Taylor Smith Taylor Dinner Wear found out that that is a cheap and an expensive pattern to find still today in thrift stores, boutiques, and antique malls, Uh, and it's a very cool thing. 50s, 60s style looking set. I think it was actually made in the 60s, but it is very 50-ish, 60-ish, very pretty little blue cornflower on it with a pink center, and it would go great in a vintage kitchen. Um, In episode four, we talked about repurposing glass jars and how to declutter the home, which... I'm still working on, by the way, uh, number five, how to make money uh, selling your art for artists of all sorts. Whether you're a jewelry maker or a painter, that episode is for you. Um, In episode six, we talked about collecting Fire King and Pyrex, you know, the big boys of the past. Is it still alive, where to start, and what to do? We also talked about these plastic bag rugs. These upcycled, recycled plastic bags are being made into functional, cool rugs. But, you know, all that is new used to be old, and this is a trend that is, is coming back and staying for a while. Number seven episode, we talked about Halloween collectibles and our spooky episode. So do listen in if you're a Halloween collector. In episode eight, I talked about Turner Art Prints. This is something I stumbled across in a thrift store. And soon after I put up the episode, those items sold from my shop. So be sure if you are a thriftaholic or a junker or you just like vintage things to definitely listen in so you can identify Turner Art Prints. And remember, whenever I record an episode, I usually throw up some TikTok videos um, or Instagram videos so you can see what we're talking about. We also went into farmhouse and wedding trends and what to do with old wood blocks. Number nine episode was what the heck was avant-garde? We got into what avant-garde decorating would be like, and we talked about collecting old records, where to start, how to do it, and what's valuable. Um, In episode 10, I spent a few weeks in Maine and talked about Maine-inspired cabin primitives and did some shout-outs to some Etsy shops in case you wanted to follow along at home and look up the items that I was talking about. Um, And then in our final episode in season one, we talked about vintage Christmas and pixies and kindness and kangaroo shoes. So, as you can tell in the podcast, we do jump around and talk about numerous topics in one episode. So, be sure to listen in. Um, I'm happy to report that I had almost 700 downloads in season one, lots of uh, stars, and thumbs up, and likes uh, on the various podcast distributors. So, I really appreciate it. Give me a like, uh, bump me up on the charts, and make sure you share the podcast and tell your friends about it. So, without further ado, I wanted to get into into a few resolutions that I have for myself, and then talk a little bit about our Etsy algorithm um, that, that everybody always talks about. But before that, let's take a quick break. has New Year's resolutions. I'd love to know what yours are, but your guys are going to help me stick to mine. I'm happy to say in Season 1 we had almost 700 downloads, lots of likes and shares, Um, And so my resolution is to use it or lose it. You know, I have a block of time uh, in my podcast and I haven't always used the full block per month. So what this means for me is doing two to four podcasts a month. I don't know if I can promise to be on a regular weekly basis, but I sure am going to try. Um, So my first vintage resolution is to talk more about vintage on my podcast. Um, my second New Year's resolution is to bring in people that I love uh, to help me with this task. so, I love Etsy. As you know, I'm an Etsy seller, Etsy lover, Etsy buyer, support small business all over the place and I would love to interview Etsy shop owners. Whether they're blowing sales out through the roof or just doing something they love uh, as a hobby, I would just love to talk to them. So if you know any Etsy sellers or Etsy shops that would love to have an interview, have them contact me at Retro Chalet. Uh, My third, but probably my most important, uh, vintage resolution is to get more organized. You know, when you have a hectic real job uh, and you travel all over the place and it's been nonstop for several years straight, you know, your house kind of looks like something between an antique mall hit a storage container and exploded. Um, so that is what's going on in my house, and a lot of shop owners call this the overflow. So I'm going to try to do an episode on this very topic, you know, whether it's worth getting a storage container, looking at people who have converted their basements, uh, or a room in their home for their Etsy, you know, how much is too much, how to clean out, what to decide what to keep, but organization is something that I definitely need. I'm giving myself a whole year to do it, uh, because I have that much crap, to do it with, and I'm going to figure out what to do. Um, So we'll check back in with me in December and find out where I'm at. Um, Number four, I want to definitely get my Etsy shop redone, and one of my topics today is Etsy algorithms, and I'll tell you why I'm doing that. Um, And number five, I want to master the art of streaming the podcast as well as talking the podcast so you know I'm not real tech savvy not real technical still working with sound and all of that wonderful stuff but I really need to learn how to do a streaming so so I will also have this information like on YouTube so those are my top five vintage resolutions and we'll see where I'm at at the end of the year Uh, I'm hoping that I score 100% but but you know you never know um speaking of vintage I have a, a little vintage story for you um uh, and I wanted to tell you all that if you don't have any resolutions, make this one of them. Make one of them to learn something vintage to pass on for generations. You know, if it's something in your home that you've had from your family, uh, something that called out to you at an antique mall or a thrift store, something that you really just maybe don't even know the history of, take some time and find out, research. Uh, you know, it could be a fun project for you and the family to find out what this item was and how it was used. Um... You know, it just, is crazy for me to think like 150 years ago, you know, we didn't have all this technology, we didn't have all these computers, we didn't have the burger flipper at McDonald's, we didn't have the Hey Siri on our phones because we didn't have the phones. Um, and things have just morphed at warp speed. So I was basically put back into my place recently when uh, I realized that my cabin in Maine had a beam that had been split into about Eight pieces uh, and that was the main beam main support beam holding up the home um, and so I had to get somebody in this is a very difficult job you're in the middle of the woods and there's limited resources as far as people to do this type of job uh, in the middle of nowhere um, basically <laughs> and in COVID when no one's working there's a lot of uh, closures and shutdown um, so I had to do what I had to do and guess what? Um, I hired the Amish, okay? I hired the Amish, and uh, with all due respect, they're doing hand hewn beams. H-A-N-D-H-E-W-N beams, support beams. They are doing this without machinery, without technology, with saws and modern day machinery. This is Some of these tools they're using, if I saw them, I'd think that they belonged in an antique mall. Wood planers. Um, I've actually seen these things. They're quite collectible and they're still using them today. Uh, And they're putting in this beam in my house without any major machinery because that's what they do. They're experts at it and they can probably build it better than my stepfather could. Rest in peace. And he was a master carpenter. So it's amazing to me that there are very, very, very few. Uh, people out there that are still living a vintage life, um, you know, so shout out to the Amish, you know, shout out to them. Uh, I would love to possibly be a guest in their homestead one day and really see how they make butter uh, and and things of this nature, because, you know, I'm just too caught up in my modern life, and I'm trying to struggle with living vintage, so one of these days, I intend to have a little stone home and uh, basically just live by the heat of a, of a wood fire and try to cook things like they did in the 1900s, and I'll let you know how that goes. But for now, I just wanted to say, find out about things that have been passed on from generation to generation. Find out about things in your home. Find out about things in your life, because these are pieces of history that may be extinct 150 years from now, and let's do our best to keep them alive. So without further ado, let's get into the Etsy algorithm. You are listening to the Living a Vintage Life Podcast. Living a Vintage Life Podcast. Brought to you by Retro Soleil. Start living your vintage life today. Check out Retro on Etsy. So I've had a lot of shop owners reach out to me um, and complain or ask questions about the Etsy algorithm. Um, And everything they see and everything they hear is algorithm, algorithm, algorithm. So let's get into this a little bit, shall we? Um, first of all, what is an algorithm? Okay, so if you were to just type this word in, um, basically it's kind of something used in mathematics and computer science. It's like a sequence. It's an order of programming. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a query to figure something out. Um, so it's a process or a set of rules uh, or a calculation, Okay, so the easiest thing I can say is you hear about Facebook algorithms, Google algorithms, Twitter algorithms, and Etsy algorithms. Basically, it's kind of like a basic rule or a problem-solving operation um, that's kind of followed by a computer. (laughs) So, you know, it would be nice to think that there's a whole bunch of employees that run everything, but let's face it. Everything is computerized, okay? So, of course, you know, you get into the scenario where Etsy has an algorithm. They tweak their algorithm from time to time to keep up with current and modern day standards uh, and, of course, changes that may happen on their website. Um, So you'll watch a million and one videos. You'll hear a million and one things. um, But, you know, some problem is the sellers are stagnant. Why are the shops stagnant? Well, I'm gonna tell you why. Uh, And this is pretty much a a guide or a helpful hint uh, to what to do. So first of all, I've talked about this in the past, I've read articles on it, you know, your SEO search engine optimization is key. You know, use your, use your good titles, your tags, your keywords, make sure that you're hitting the nail on the head with your titles and keywords and everything, because these are search words that are going to be used and viewed by Google. Etsy ranks very, very, very high in Google. They have a great model, okay, and I'm going to tell you why. Every Etsy seller promotes their shop. They promote their shop. goes to Etsy, Etsy.com. So therefore Etsy.com gets the residual talk when I'm telling you about my Etsy shop. It goes to Etsy.com. Where did you get that item? I got it on Etsy. Where did you get that purse? I got it on Etsy, 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 Etsy. You know, many people might not go to retrochalet.etsy.com. They're going to go to Etsy.com and look for retrochalet so, so basically, the bottom line is Etsy's very smart because what they've done is they've got thousands of shops that drive thousands of people to Etsy, okay? So there, of course, is an algorithm as to what gets noticed, what makes the front page, uh, or what gets bought. So to take things a step further, Etsy has advertising that you can do. You can spend so much per day, um, you know, a dollar per day uh, on an Etsy ad. You can run certain items uh, to be shown in these ads. And, And obviously they're gonna come up a little bit higher in the search results. So let's say you had pink umbrella, okay? Your pink umbrella is not gonna be in the top of the search results without using maybe the Etsy advertising, which will bump your pink umbrella up five levels versus not having the Etsy advertising. So now you get into what I'd like to say, a disruption in the algorithm, okay? So the regular algorithm is is pretty fine, you know? Follow your SEO, put your descriptive keywords, your title, the way you do your tags, and of course we'll get to pictures in a second. So. To take things a a step further than that, the algorithm is now somehow tied in to something called engagement, okay? Engagement. Now, this is really hard when you're looking at a tiny little iPhone, you know, unless you have a big Pro Max. Um, But if you're looking at an iPhone and seeing somebody's Etsy little one inch by one inch photographs, okay? How are you engaging? Well, you're engaging by clicking on the item that comes up in the search results. So for the Etsy seller, they have to make their picture pop. Out of 20 or 10 or 6 little blocks, yours has to be clicked on. Now, not necessarily, you know, does it have to be bought, but it has to be interacted with. If your item is interacted with, That's better for the algorithm of your shop. Like, as far as the little signal that your shop says, hey, people are interested, I'm getting clicks, I'm getting engagements. So, engagements are kind of like clicks. Okay, and then obviously... The, taking that a step further is if they buy your item. If they buy your item, that's the ultimate engagement. And then Etsy knows your shop is full of great items and some computer somewhere is calculating that this is a great shop to put up higher in the search results. So it's kind of like a catch-22. You have to do everything right. You have to, you know, in a way, promote yourself by good pictures and SEO. You have to promote your listing. Um, And then you have to get traffic to the listing that engages with your listing. And then you have to get the click-throughs to your listing. Now, this could be a double-edged sword. I've heard, I don't know, I'm not a computer programmer, but I've heard uh, from someone who knows um, that if you get 20 click-throughs and abandoned carts or, you know, people aren't buying your item, this, could this hurt you? You know, what does this mean? This means that you need to look at the price of your item because somebody had it, somebody's looking at it, they're doing a lot of clicks, they're really thinking about buying it, but what's keeping them from buying it? You have to ask yourself, what's keeping them from buying your item? Are you charging shipping? If you're charging shipping, take the shipping off and put some of that shipping into the cost of the item and offer free shipping. Um, they're obviously finding it Cheaper elsewhere. They're price shopping. They're price comparing. Or somebody else's picture looks juicier and better than yours. So, bottom line here is, um, you want to you want to dominate the algorithm by keeping good products in your shop and keep it fresh. So, this is another tip. I've seen people who list daily or even relist a few items and tweak some pictures and titles and keywords. And they seem to get more engagement and more views than someone who just lets their shop sit. So to be honest with you, if you're an Etsy seller, it's a lot of work. You have to work to put the items in, to get the pictures looking good, to do your titles and your tags and your descriptions, to get your pricing right, and to make your item buy-worthy. But once you start getting clicks, Once you start getting click-throughs, once you start getting checkout sales, then voila, you have dominated the algorithm. Now, whether you do this by advertising or not advertising, that's up to you. Um, There's a lot of videos out there that can help you, you know, research what you're selling and find out if you have 20 million items against yours, then I would strongly suggest doing some of the advertising. Um, You know, until you build up a clientele, until you build up an audience, until you build up a lot of people that frequent your shop. You know, I have to say that I have about 10% repeat buyers. So somebody that finds something that they love in a vintage shop are going to like that vintage shop and keep an eye on it because the style of that seller fits their own. So, you know, not every vintage shop is alike. I mean, vintage shop is subjective Uh, I looked at some of the top vintage shops that were on this thing called, um, like, some kind of craft hunt or something. Uh, And basically, I don't know if I have the word right, but the craft count is gone. So this was another one. So on this hunt website, um, they had the top five Etsy vintage shops, according to them. So when I looked at them, four out of five were basically vintage style t-shirts. Okay. So these were like people's rendition of a vintage style. They might have like an Elvis print or this or that, but they weren't true vintage. It wasn't like true vintage, like we're thinking it was, um, vintage style or vintage inspired, you know, but the fifth shop that I found, uh, is definitely a vintage shop who is, uh, incorporating a little bit of handmade and true vintage. So kudos to them. Uh, So I don't know if that site is absolutely 100% accurate or I would shout it out. Um, But, you know, it was interesting because obviously uh, these t-shirt sellers who are either using print on demand or designing their own vintage style t-shirts have found a way to dominate the vintage tag market. Uh, and they're basically great gift ideas, I guess, you know, what's, what's, what's a great gift to get somebody. If you don't know what to get them, you might not get them an old rotary phone. They might not like that for their living room, but sure. You can take the 20 bucks and get them a t-shirt. So, you know, no pain, no gain. So maybe they're on to something. So don't be freaked out by the Etsy algorithm. It's going to constantly change. But what you need to be freaked out about is doing everything right. Do your homework. Investigate. Check out your competitors. Make sure you're in the right pricing. You know, um, as far as shipping goes, shipping is through the roof right now on some things. There's surcharges uh, they charge for the holidays. Um, you know, there's Pirate Ship. There's Sendle. Um, there's other options. There's DHL, there's FedEx, there's UPS, there's USPS. So do your homework. Find out what's the best and most effective way to get your item to the customer. Um, If you're selling a lot of lightweight items, then you're in bubble mailers and you're great. But if you're vintage and you're heavy duty and they're heavy items, maybe you need to figure out a way to not sell heavy items. Uh, or figure out a way to bulk sell heavy items or figure out a way to offer a different type of shipping service. Um, So you need to be competitive, you need to be smart, and you need to really have great photos and really be on point with your tags, titles, and keywords. And then Etsy algorithm will love you as much as you love Etsy. Okay, we have some great episodes coming up so make sure you hit follow or subscribe on whatever podcast player you're listening to and connect with me, Retro Chalet, on TikTok or Instagram or follow my shop on Etsy. I always post pictures of what I'm talking about. I actually have boards on my Etsy when I feature um, Etsy stores or items in my podcast. I have public boards so you can follow along and see the latest trends what I think is going well in the vintage world today. Here's wishing you a great, happy, healthy, safe 2022.